0: Your Oklahoma podcast brought to you by Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm Matt Ravis. Uh, my podcast partner Jack Shields is not here with me right now. You may ask why? He uh, we were together earlier. Unfortunately, we lost our first segment that we recorded due to uh, some technical difficulties. It's out there floating somewhere in the ether, in the digital ether somewhere. So unfortunately, we lost that, uh, which is a shame because I, I thought it was a good segment. Got into um, Well, first of just addressing, we missed a couple weeks, we had a little bit of a hiatus back in the swing of things. Um, We addressed the Mike Stoops firing, we addressed um, Ruffin McNeil, maybe simplifying things, what Bob Diaco could do behind the scenes, Um, so sorry about that. Uh, We still have plenty of great content throughout the show, though, for you. Um, We talked to Jamie Plunkett of Frogs of War, that's TCU's uh, blog, SB Nation blog, that is, Uh, and and then we, uh, me and Jack, book thing or bookends rather things, uh, at the end and uh, give some score predictions, kind of give some uh, final vibes on this OU TCU game. Um, I, I think we both agree that it could be a little bit closer than OU fans and even TCU fans are willing to grant. So um, Jack and I get into that again. Thank you for bearing with us. Um, sorry we don't have the full fledged podcast for you. Uh, like I said, unfortunately lost our first segment, our first 20 minutes or so, uh, due to some digital problems, due to some computer problems, but it's how it goes sometimes. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to transition right into our first interview, our, our only interview of the podcast, but it's definitely a substantial one. Uh, Jimmy Plunkett of Frogs of War. That's coming up next. Thanks for listening to Oklahoma Breakdown. Now we welcome in friend of the show, friend of the vlog, uh, Frogs of War. Jamie Plunkett is the managing editor. Uh, Frogs of war.com is the TCU SB Nation community. You can follow them on Twitter at Frogs o War. No F, just O War. I guess we'll just start here, Jamie. Uh, TCU season hasn't quite lived up to expectations at this point. It's largely been a result of sloppy play, though. Is there some hope that the season can get on the right track if that issue can be correct, corrected to some degree, uh, or are there some other issues that have held this team back in some
2: ways? You know, I think, I think there's always potential with a Gary Patterson team for progress in the middle of a season. Uh, he has an incredible coaching staff put together at TCU that is really good at developing young talent. Uh, and we've seen that on the defensive side of the ball for, for a ton of years now, uh, ever since Patterson stepped on campus. Uh, and that's happening again this season. When You see some younger guys stepping up and playing pretty well. Uh, you know, thinking about Garrett Wallow at linebacker, you've got some young redshirt freshmen playing defensive tackle in place of Ross Blacklock. Uh, and So you've seen some youth there that stepped up and, and played really well. Offensively, there are, there are so many question marks at this point that it's hard to see enough progress being made for TCU uh, to make significant noise in the back half of the season. I mean, you've got Sean Robinson, who is a, a sophomore who, you know, everybody was really, really excited about at the beginning of the season. And he's come out and been banged up and thrown a lot of uh, interceptions and fumbled quite a bit and, you know, just hasn't looked great making his reads. Uh, an offensive line that's really kind of piecemeal together without their starting left guard and a bunch of new faces along the line. And so, Uh, There are a lot of question marks on offense. I think progress is possible. I just don't know what effect that progress will have, especially this Saturday against an Oklahoma team that, yeah, they're in transition on defense, but their offense is so powerful that I'm not sure TCU's offense is going to be able to keep up.
1: You know, speaking of TCU's offense and the quarterback position, it's being said that TCU could go to Michael Collins at some times this Saturday due to, you know, Sean Robinson's past turnover issues and also his issues with injuries. Uh, What does each QB bring to the table? Obviously we know with Robinson, but what does, uh, what does Michael Collins bring to the table? And uh, how much of Collins do you think we'll see this weekend?
2: Well, Collins definitely isn't as mobile as Robinson. I think that that's what separated them uh, separated Robinson from Collins and fall camp was his mobility. Uh, his uh, his escapability and you know you've seen the negative side of that with Robinson a little bit this season because he's kind of gotten happy feet uh and he's stopped looking downfield at times and other times he's rushing throws and that kind of thing with Collins he's got an incredible arm uh he is pretty mobile uh, as well and and you know has gotten a lot of uh high praise from the coaching staff just for his mobility Uh, he ran for uh, a touchdown against uh SMU earlier in the season. He, he ran the ball relatively effectively on his one possession against Texas. Um, but realistically, you know, Patterson has been calling for a little bit more Michael Collins since the start of the season, and we haven't seen it. Uh, you know, everybody knows at this point that it's Sonny Cumbie's call as offensive coordinator as to who, who walks out on the field, a quarterback. And he's pretty much proven at this point uh, that it's, it's Robinson all the way. So I don't really expect too much Michael Collins on Saturday unless Robinson suffers another injury or a setback. Uh, Because realistically, at this point, if we haven't seen Collins already, it's not likely that we're going to.
1: You know, in spite of some of the offensive issues that we've seen this year, this offense still has a considerable amount of talent, particularly at the skill positions. You know, aside from the familiar names like uh, Darius Anderson and Jalen Rager, which offensive names should Oklahoma fans know heading into Saturday?
2: I'm sorry, you guys cut out a little bit there. Can you repeat the question? Yeah.
1: Uh, In spite of the offensive issues, uh, this offense still has quite a bit of talent, particularly at the skill positions. So aside from the familiar names like Darius Anderson and Jalen Rager, which offensive names should Oklahoma fans know heading into Saturday?
2: You know, another f- probably familiar name is Kevontae Turpin. Uh, he has had, he's had a really good season. You know, he's dynamic in the return game, that kind of thing. Uh, a name to look out for is Chewo Alonolua. He's the other running back for TCU. Um, yeah, Darius Anderson is leading the team in rushes this season, but Shewa is actually leading the team in carries. Uh, and has he's rushing for, I think, about four and a half, five yards a clip. He's a bigger running back everybody kind of expected him to, to come in when he was a freshman at TCU and switch over to linebacker. But, you know, he's, he's the big 5'11", 225, 230-pound back that isn't afraid of contact. Uh, and he has made uh, a living uh, in what, what's called the wild frog, where it's just he's taking a direct snap and he's running it most of the time off of the right edge and getting six or seven yards uh, in a short, down, uh, short yards to gain situation. So he's, he's a big name to, to, to keep an eye out. For, and then there's a couple of senior wide receivers, too, that maybe you should keep an eye on. Uh, Jerison Stewart and Jalen Austin. They've been relatively quiet this year, but I think as the season moves forward and Sean Robinson is looking for a couple more reliable options, those are two guys that might get a little bit more uh, targets uh, a little bit more looks from from Robinson, uh, simply because people are people know about Jalen Rager at this point. They know about Devonte Turpin, and they're going to do their best in the secondary to shut those guys down, which is going to leave Austin and and Stewart a little bit more wide open. So those are th- those are three ne- three names to keep keep an eye on. There are a couple other young guys too, like Darius Davis is a pretty wide a pretty fast wide receiver that has gotten some play this year. Tay Barber is a true freshman that's gotten a lot of play this year. Uh, realistically, TCU is stacked at wide receiver. At this point, it's all about getting them the football. And, and frankly, Sean Robinson just hasn't done that to this point. It's pretty frustrating. Uh,
0: transitioning over to the defensive side of the ball, Jamie, uh, hasn't been an issue at all. In fact, the Frogs are uh, 14th in the country in defensive S&P Plus ranking heading into the weekend. Uh, has this been a result of the tried and tested Patterson formula,
2: or are there any tweaks this year uh, that have been getting the defenses going so well? You know, it is. It is just the tried and true four-two-five. It's what Patterson's known for. It's what he hangs his hat on, and it, it's come. It's paying off again in 2018. I mean, he's got some incredibly uh, talented second guys in the secondary. Jeff Gladney at cornerback has been phenomenal this year. You've got Ennis Gaines, who uh, at safety has been incredible in coverage and against the run. He's a big hitter, number six. So keep an eye out for him. Uh, I think depth plays really well into it too. You've got Julius Lewis on the other side at the at the second corner position, who's really stepped up his game in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Ridwan Isahaku and Markel Simmons have played really well in the secondary and uh, kind of shuffling around as Nico Small's been banged up back there. And then at linebacker, you know, nobody really saw Garrett Wallow uh, coming on this quickly as a as a you know just a really young kid who, frankly, if you ever hear him talk, he sounds like a real-life Bobby Boucher, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and he kind of plays like the Waterboy too, where he is just 110% at all times. He's incredibly high energy. Uh, so keep an eye out for 30 as well because that's Wallow, and he, he just flies all around the field. He is incredibly fast and fun to watch. Uh, and, and along the defensive line, you've got preseason defensive All-American or uh, defensive Big 12 Player of the Year, Uh, Ben Banigou on the edge you've got LJ Collier on the other edge you've got Corey Vesley in the middle and those guys just absolutely tear up offensive lines it's it's as as frustrating as the offense has been to watch this year for TCU it's been it's been really fun to watch the defense roll out there every time you
1: know speaking of the defense and speaking of Ben Banigou uh, he seems to have lived up to his preseason Big 12 uh, defensive player of the year billing Uh, is that a fair assessment and what makes him such a special player
2: I think it is fair. I, I think if you ask him uh, that question, he would say that he has not played up to to his own expectations for himself this season. He's been a little disappointed, I think, in some of his performances, especially early on when I think he was trying to do a little too much. Uh, but you're right. He, is, he has played incredibly well this year, and I think part of the reason is that uh, he's got another really good edge rusher on the other side in LJ Collier, which he had last year in Matt Bosen as well, because Bosen actually led... TCU and tackles for loss and sacks a season ago. And LJ Collier is starting to rack up those numbers again this season as well because it affords Banigou the opportunity to really go one-on-one because the offensive line can't focus too much on any single guy. Corey Bethley is commanding some double teams in the middle from the three-tech position. And so, you know, Banigou's really kind of go-to move, though, is just coming off the edge and just bull rushing a guy or trying to s- swim move around to the outside because he is incredibly quick. He stays really low to the ground, and um, he's just too fast for most left tackles in this league, and he's showing that week after week after week.
1: Now, Jamie, there are plenty of Oklahoma alumni in the DFW area, and plenty of them will probably be at the game on uh, Saturday, but for the fans who are traveling from Oklahoma or elsewhere who maybe aren't quite as familiar with TCU's fan base, what are some things that OU fans should know about TCU, the fan base, or game day in general, before making the trip.
2: I think it's probably gonna be uh, a little more tempered fan base this year, this time around, just because of the way that the first uh, six weeks have gone. You know, sitting at three and three, uh, watching this offense struggle as much as it has, it's really kind of killed a lot of the a lot of the energy around the team, unfortunately. Uh, and realistically, TCU's fan base is pretty small too, so. That affects turnout, and it's more visible, I think, than it is at a school like OU or Texas. Uh, but I still think it's going to be a fun game day atmosphere. You know, TCU really, really wants to see itself as one of the top-tier teams in the Big 12. And to do that at some point, you have to start beating Oklahoma. And, and so there is, I think, this kind of perception now that if TCU can just start winning against Oklahoma every once in a while, you know, they're 1-6 right now, if they can improve that record... Uh, over the next several years, uh, then realistically, maybe that'll help with the national perception of the program and and the TCU brand overall. So I think that that fans are still going to be excited for Oklahoma to come to town. Uh, you know, we we do like to pride ourselves on being a friendly fan base. So if you're a Sooner and you see a tailgate, just kind of walk up and introduce yourself and say, hey, you're probably going to get it off get offered a beer, a, a you know, a hot dog or a burger or whatever. Or I guess breakfast tacos since it's 11 a.m and And just you know, we're gonna be friendly. Uh, and I think this year we're we're a little more humble than we normally are just because of the way things have turned out in the first six weeks. So I'm expecting a, a good fun atmosphere, maybe a little bit more tempered than it would have been in seasons past, but the fun nonetheless. Uh, what' What's the key to the TCU upset, Jamie? Uh, I think the defense has to really really come out strong, uh, force Kyler Murray into some mistakes, which he hasn't really been prone to do yet this season. Um, and and there there has to be a defensive touchdown, and there are probably a special teams touchdown. And the offense has to show up like they did in the first half of the Ohio State game, where they were really gashing Ohio State with the run and doing the up-tempo quick passes into the flat and allowing their speed wide receivers to get into space. Uh, if they do that consistently, I think it'll be a competitive game. As far as, as actually pulling off the upset, though, it's going to take a defensive touchdown or, or a special teams touchdown to get that done.
1: Speaking of which, how do you see this one shaking out, and do you think TCU can beat the spread in this one?
2: I, I'm not sure what the spread is at this it's point. It's eight right there? now. Eight? Ooh, that's uh, that's going to be tough, I think. You know, I, Realistically, I think the defense is good enough to hang. It's fast enough. Uh, you know, It showed that uh, before it got worn down against Ohio State. Uh, it, it, the, the corners are quick. The linebackers are fast. The defensive line is really strong. I think the defense keeps TCU in this game for a while. Uh, but ultimately, if your offense isn't consistently driving the ball and, and sustaining drives and burning time off the clock and getting points as a result, the defense is going to get worn down. And we've seen that in the second half of games pretty much consistently all season. Uh, and so it might be a close game at halftime, might be you know, a couple field goals lead for Oklahoma, maybe a touchdown lead. And then I think, unfortunately for TCU, it's it's kind of maybe going to get out of hand, especially in the third Late in the third, early fourth quarters, just because eventually, if guys are on the field for seventy-five, eighty, eighty-five snaps, they're going to get tired, and and TCU's yeah, no stranger to that this season.
0: Uh, Jamie, I've got one more for you before we get into the rapid fire questions here. Um, yeah. a, a, as you can imagine, up here, um, the loss to Texas and the ensuing firing of Mike Stoops was. Um, well, how would you describe that, Jack? It was a meltdown on social media.
1: It was dramatic. I it mean, was you know, very dramatic. It was, it was a thing.
0: <laughs> and it was, yeah. It, and that's how it goes, you know, inside of fan bases. So I'm curious to know, outside of the Oklahoma bubble, uh, what did it look like uh, from the heart
2: of Texas? Well, it was unfortunate, I think, from our perspective, to see Texas win that game after beating TCU, after beating USC. Uh, and really finally I think having some momentum some legit momentum for the first time in and you know close to a decade at this point uh, because from the from our perspective as, as TCU fans you know we we've had all, uh, ever so slightest of edges in recruiting over most schools in the state uh, for the last several years and and Texas has still out recruited TCU so uh, to see the Frogs win that game or to see the the horns win that game and and to really start to gain some more momentum on the recruiting trail, which, which TCU has witnessed in the last week or so uh, was disappointing. Uh, I'm of the opinion, frankly, that the big 12 is just significantly down this year. And that's kind of Texas is taking advantage of that as still a really Mm -hmm. sub, you know, kind of average offense and above average defense. Um, I don't, I don't know that this is a sustainable thing with Ellinger. Uh, but realistically, you know, Oklahoma, even, even with that loss, is still the team to beat in the conference. I don't think that per- perception has changed at all. Uh, I I don't really think that much of Tom Herman. I, I like my, uh, Todd Orlando and what he's done defensively down there, but I just think it's a down year for the Big 12, and Texas is taking advantage of it, frankly.
1: Yeah, I, I that's – a pretty fair assessment, I would say. I, yeah. I have no nothing but respect for Todd Orlando and what he's done there, but yeah, Herman is just kind of a hard O and kind of rubs me the wrong way. I'm not a big fan oh, at yeah. oh, yeah. all.
2: I think you that's going to blow it, up it, in his face. <laughs> I think so, too. And, and, you know, frankly, I think the best thing that could have happened to OU is losing that game and having an excuse to fire Mike Stoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of front, people front. who
1: have looked at it that way. I mean, losing to Texas is not something that we obviously want. That obviously sucks, but you know there are certain people who definitely did see the silver lining there and you know I think he probably was going to go after this year but I think this sort of expedited things and you know maybe Ruffin McNeil may be simplifying things maybe that'll help Oklahoma this year down the stretch I'm not sure if it'll have a huge impact but you know we'll see but anyway I mean,
2: news, yeah I mean the good news is that Ruffin's had two weeks now to kind of simplify things and get ready for an offense that hasn't shown much uh, the last couple of weeks so this is a real i mean if you're going to transition now now's not a bad time
1: yeah absolutely yeah that bye week really could not have come at a better time yeah. from a transition yeah. <laughs> and morale standpoint i mean it 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 needed to happen Bye weeks are annoying but in this case very necessary but jamie are you ready for the rapid fire bring it what's where do you find the best mexican food in fort
2: worth uh, people will say that the touristy spot is Joe T's because their margaritas are the most potent thing on the planet. Um, but I'm going to say the best Mexican food in – gosh, oh, geez, there's so many. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a place up in the stockyards. I think it's called Abuelitas. I've been there a couple of times, and that place is absolutely phenomenal. Enchiladas there are to die for.
1: It's named after a grandma. It's got to be good, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And now what's the best barbecue in Fort Worth, Jamie?
2: Heim, no doubt. Heim Barbecue on Magnolia in the Fremont District. Get, or, yeah, Fairmont District. Get down there, uh, get the bacon burn ends, and do it as quickly as you possibly can. See, now I have
1: a choice. I, I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted now. Now I'm going to ask you another one. Where okay, do I okay. find the best steak in Fort Worth?
2: oh man i think a lot of folks are going to point you to del frisco's i've been It's good (laughs) uh it's it's decent not the one in fort worth but no my favorite steak of all time is bob's steak at chop house uh the original one is in dallas but they do have a location in fort worth it's downtown it's in the omni uh that that's man you can't you can't get much better than that in my opinion
1: now what's the best sports bar in fort worth I've got a one-track mind. (laughs) It's
2: it's not really much of a sports bar town, honestly. Uh, You know, I would say if you want to go watch a game and have a beer, your best shot is probably either Buffalo Bros, which is right next to campus. Dutch's is another good spot. Now that they've got a little locker room kind of space opened up that's got a full bar, it serves liquor and everything. It's open late at night, every night. Uh, That's actually where we do our Frogs War podcast uh, once a month. And so you know gotta get gotta get the plug in i suppose um and then there are a couple places off of seventh uh, like boomer jackson that kind of place that are more your chain style sports bar places but realistically it's not much of a sports bar town
1: now what is going to be as far as bars are concerned what's the booty shaking uh, destination <laughs>
2: Sorry,
1: I missed that again. I was I was saying, you know, in Fort Worth, uh, as far as bars are concerned, where is the booty shaking destination?
2: okay well see now i you're, you're talking to the wrong guy okay I, gotcha I am, I am a minister
1: i did not know that i would not <laughs> yeah. have asked that otherwise
2: yeah so I, I i am not the one to ask maybe melissa can help you out there but it's it's not it's definitely not me. i'll have to
1: ask her on the podcast later tonight
2: yeah we yeah we'll cover that when you when you come on our show
1: <laughs> <laughs> sounds good man uh now let's uh let's uh, switch the topic here uh who is your favorite TCU alum outside of athletics? And now I have to remind you that one person who is eligible happens to be a fictitious character from the Simpsons, who happens to be okay. a TCU alum.
2: Yeah. Well, he's not it. It's Bob Schieffer for sure. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, as a as a graduate of this of the school College of Communications, the Schieffer School of Communications, and just hearing you know him coming back almost every year and speaking to uh, the students in that college and just seeing his commitment to his craft for decades on decades on decades uh, and still, you know, showing love to his university and, and, and wearing purple and, and just committed to the athletics programs and the whole university and on the student body. Uh, you know, if, if I if I could be him 60 years from now, uh, that would be pretty fantastic. Well, Jamie, um, appreciate your time tonight. Uh, Then we were talking to
0: Jamie Plunkett, managing editor of Frogs O' War, uh, frogsowar.com. That is the TCU SB Nation community. You can also follow them on Twitter, at Frogs O' War, where you can see Jamie doing the One Chip Challenge. Appreciate your time, and uh, uh, yeah, great talking to you, Jamie. Welcome back. We are wrapping up the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I've been doing this for a little bit now. Feel like we're finally hitting our stride. Did have a little hiatus, but we're back. Don't worry about it. Um, and we'll be here um, weekly throughout the duration of the football season. Matt, like I said, Matt Ravis, Jack Shields. Big thank you to Jamie Plunkett from Frogs of War podcast. I don't. I didn't get the sense, Jack, that Jamie uh, was very confident that TCU could pull off an upset. Um, but I, you, you were just talking to me. You think that there is a chance that it, it could be closer? You didn't say that OU would get upset. No, I don't.
1: I, I think OU will. But you said there's a chance win, it could but, be closer I mean, I, than TCU fans. Yeah, I
0: th- and maybe OU fans are willing to grant. I mean,
1: TCU fans are obviously very down on their offense at this point, but I mean that team still has a lot of weapons at the skill positions, and I think they're definitely good enough to make Oklahoma pay for its deficiencies on defense, and I, I think that. I could see maybe like a, I don't know, a 42-31 contest or something like that. I think OU like, would narrowly beat the spread, but... The spread's eight, right? Yeah, it's eight right now, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think TCU could definitely put up 28-31 points. I mean, despite, you know, their turnover issues, you know, Sean Robinson dealing with the turnovers plus the injuries, not having a great offensive line, but their backs and receivers are fantastic. I mean, they're... Guys who were who again can make this team pay for not tackling well, they're wrapping up. I mean, it's I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a number of big plays from TCU's I, offense in this one. I, I'm much more confident in their offense in this matchup than TCU fans are. I think, I think at one and point, people who cover TCU,
0: I think at one point in the dark night, uh, the Joker is talking about the immovable force versus unstoppable object. You know, what I'm talking about, yeah. Uh whatever the opposite of that saying is is kind of what's going on here between OU and TCU. Like you said, it, well with the turnovers. Lots of for turnovers sure, yeah, like, for TCU and then o, o, OU um not a team that forces a lot of turnovers. Like I said, whatever the opposite of of what that is. Something's got to give though. Exactly. I mean, you know,
1: it, TCU's turned it over 15 times this year. That's near the bottom of the barrel in the country. OU has forced only 5 this year which is also near the bottom of the barrel. I mean, I think if T- OU isn't able to turn over this team, that's an issue. I mean, you know, cause I, and I think OU will need to force at least a, a few turnovers for this to not be in doubt late. But if OU is able to do to TCU what other teams have done to TCU, it could get out of hand really quickly. But, is this a game you could see Buki making that big I think I think this, this could be the one, yeah. And I... I've been looking forward to that day. has been kind of a disappointing. But looking for forward him. to that day since he put on the hat at the All American game because that's those are the kinds of plays he was making in that game. So I'm, yeah, I think maybe something like that could happen this game. One can only hope. I mean, that's that's what I'm looking for in this one.
0: I, I, I mean, you think we're going to see some uh, some personnel shuffling? I think all positions probably open for. Um, open for competition.
1: I, I mean, that's that's what you know. That's what's been said. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to, uh, you know, maybe see a lot more of Trey Brown. He's been the best corner this season. He needs to be on the field lately. just about every play. Yeah, he's definitely the best all-around corner. And I, I'd like to see more of Robert Barnes and less of Khalil Houghton. And I'd like to see more of Ronnie Perkins. So, I mean, basically, would that's been the consensus? Those three guys. So, as far as a uh, this discussion's concern all around. So Yeah, be interesting yeah to see. I think those are the three to watch for to get more snaps than they usually get.
0: Interesting to see if this is your cliche, typical, um, your coach is fired, so you go and ball out game, or if OU just comes out and falls flat on their face. So it'll be very interesting to well, see what happens. OU hasn't lost back-to-back,
1: uh, back-to-back games in the regular season since uh, it was Notre Dame and Texas in 99, Bob Stoops' first year. OU always plays really well. After a uh, loss, I think that's that's natural, too. I mean, you're sort of reevaluating things, and you've had the bye week to uh, sort of uh, reassess what you are. So I think that's definitely going to be beneficial. I, I think OU will definitely come out motivated. I, I do think TCU, like I said, will make some plays on offense and maybe keep this from being a blowout. But, yeah, I, I that's definitely something to look for.
0: Uh, Jack, there's nothing like a healthy rivalry to help put things in perspective for you sometimes. Um, I think o- OU fans were caught up in the woe is me after losing to Texas. I get it. That sucks. Um, still blue blood. It's horrible.
1: Yeah, I, I, there's there are a few things worse bad. than losing to Texas. No, It, it does it, not it, feel good. It is
0: bad, but um, you look north to Stillwater, and all of a sudden everything starts to feel a little bit better because, Jack, that is an absolute dumpster fire. <laughs> Um, I think Mike Gundy. I agree. it does with, make me feel better. I agree with lie. the. I mean, look, it's it. You shouldn't be comparing your life with somebody else, but uh, you look at somebody and else and you know and we're, see how we're bad usually not, it, not the program that better.
1: sort of measures ourself against Oklahoma State. That's usually the other way around. But at the same time, it it's nice to see the shit being flung back in Mike Gundy's direction at this and point. I agree with all the criticism. I watched uh, the game last week, especially
0: down the stretch, and paid extra close attention to Mike Gundy's body language, um, kind of how he led his team, and you don't get the full picture by watching it on TV, but I saw a complacent Mike Gundy, I saw one who didn't really care, Uh, his press conference demeanor, and really his press conference demeanor at all times shows me that he doesn't care, Um, he would much rather be out hunting rattlesnakes or uh, tending to his goats or whatever it is that Mike Gundy does, that's kind of what I see happening in Stillwater right now, and uh, that might be all well and good if Mike Gundy wasn't paid like a top tier coach. In yeah. football, right? He's making five million dollars. That's top ten, I believe, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's up near there. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's had uh, that university by the balls for a while now, and as he should. I mean, he's, you know, Oklahoma's. He's definitely overachieving as Oklahoma State's coach. I mean, they, they've never they've never to, sustained yeah. success like this. Over, he's brought them to the, the platform that they yeah. have
0: enjoyed recently. Uh, he has definitely helped make that. A brand. The OK State brand, you know what I mean? To all a the degree, flashy yeah. uniforms. Um, people actually know about OK State across the country. Now, because of Mike Gundy, um, they're not just some school that Barry Sanders chose to go to. So it's, um, I don't know, It's it, it does make you feel better as an OU fan at the same time. The Big 12 is just so down this year. And that's not a good look for anybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least the Pac-12 is worse, though.
0: Yeah, you can hang your hat on that at the end of the day. And, and SEC isn't all that, all that it's cracked up to be, I don't think, either. Um, apart from the obvious, still the best. They're still the best. Still for sure. the best. Yeah, top to bottom. Um, they have. They're definitely top heavy. I'll put it that way. So um, I think that's gonna do it. I think uh, unless we got anything else. What's that? <laughs> yeah, I, I can just cut this out. What is it? Oh, oh no,
1: yeah, the the weekend stuff. Yeah. We were oh yeah. About no, sorry. I'm yeah. horrible at reading lips. Yeah.
0: Uh, or one last thing before we get out of here. Um, let's talk about our weekends uh i i guess i'll go first i um it sounds so boring every time i say this i worked all day on saturday and then i uh enjoyed sunday off so i watched football from noon to whenever the sunday night game ended around nine thirty, ten, whatever it was so
1: it was great yeah what's your plan for this weekend same plan- thing plan
0: for this weekend um
1: Got Thunder the, Coverage Friday night, I guess.
0: Thunder, thunder Coverage, um, I'm not doing a post-game, so I'll get to watch that from the comforts of my couch. Um, and then uh, love the Rooster kickoffs because it means I actually get some, somewhat of a Saturday. I get that a Saturday, is good for I the get a Saturday means. night at least, so uh, I'll be done at a reasonable time and then uh, back at it again on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I see, I was happy about the rooster kickoff, but two days ago I found out that I was going to the game in Fort Worth, so now I'm not happy about the rooster kickoff. I was uh, Now I'm kind of wishing that I could have a bit more time to tailgate, but Jamie did mention uh, that breakfast tacos are a big deal in Fort Worth, so I do have that to look forward to before the game, maybe some Bloody Marys, maybe some Bloody Marias with the tequila. There you go. We'll see. But yeah, I'm kind of, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I've never been to a game at TCU, so that'll be kind of cool. And I've only been to Fort Worth once, I think. I think that was it was 2009. I stayed there. Some friends and I stayed there the night before the OU BYU game in 2009, oh, wow. the first ever football game at Jerry World, and uh, I lost my phone the night before. If that tells <laughs> you anything about that weekend, but hopefully we don't lose the phone again. This weekend, and hopefully OU doesn't lose a game again this weekend. So, there you go. There you go. So, uh, score prediction? I'm going 42-28, Oklahoma. That's uh, that's a lot of points against that TCU defense. Yeah. OU can score against anyone, though, so.
0: I think I'm going to go, I, I do think it's going to be high scoring. I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'll say um, 35-17, to and this is the week where OU finally gets a couple turnovers. Okay. Uh, Actually, I'm not even going to stop there. How about this? Pick six. Pick six from who? Buki? Uh, I'm not going to say Buki for sure, but somebody's doing it. Somebody's doing it. I'd like to see
1: Trey Brown show off the speed with the ball in his hands on defense. Maybe, you know, a real clean pick going the other way with a head of steam. He's, I mean, he's one of the fastest guys on the team, so. For sure. That would be fun to watch. That would be exciting. So, uh, both agree. I,
0: I think we, yeah, we both easily beat the spread, too. And our, our prediction the spread is only eight points. So, yeah. Uh, we, we, had, we had OU winning by several touchdowns. So, again, look for that at 11 o'clock on Saturday. Look for another episode of Oklahoma Breakdown next week, uh, breaking down the TCU uh, game, hopeful victory. And do you know offhand the opponent afterwards? Kansas i completely State. blanking on. Homecoming. Kansas State, that's Homecoming. right.
1: Homecoming. 2.30 Homecoming. game, too, which is kind of okay. Wow, that's,
0: that's ex- extremely late. I don't know if all you fans are going to be yeah, able to stay that, for Yeah, that. that's
1: a little past our bedtime. Yeah. So. so there we go. Uh, so like I
0: said, we'll be back next week with another episode breaking down the TCU game, previewing the Kansas State game. Uh, for Jack Shields, I'm Matt Ravis. Thank you so much for listening to Oklahoma Breakdown. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.